0: and welcome back to the dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Dreamcasters, I am so excited to personally invite you to my first live event of 2019. Save the date for Dream Space, January 13th in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You are invited. I would love to have you join us. Not only will you hear from myself and other special guests, but you'll have space. Space to dream. Space to heal. Space to break through your own personal glass ceiling. Connect with what it is you truly want most Connect with your life's purpose and then create an inspired action plan so you can start taking steps in that direction. We're going to end the night with a come as you will be party. This means that we're pretending like it is the year 2024 and coming dressed as the person that you want to be in five years. Oh my gosh, we're going to have lots of talk time to help you prepare for this event, but I know that this full day workshop experience is going to be life-changing for you, and I want you there. Space is limited, and it will sell out. So go to dreamlifetoolkit.com to get your dream space ticket today. Welcome back to the Dreamcast. Our next guest is an Amazon overall number one best selling author, an international book award winner, and recipient of the Beverly Hills Book Award for Best Sales Book. As an entrepreneur and successful real estate investor, she was also awarded the top 20 under 40 award. She is now the founder of book launchers, a company she started to help busy entrepreneurs and professionals build their brand and boost their business by writing, publishing, and selling a top quality book. I can tell you in the age of entrepreneurs, getting your message out there is easier than ever, and self publishing a book is an amazing way to do it. So, big Dreamcast welcome to Julie Broad. Hi, welcome. <laughs> Yay. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to connect with you because you have been an entrepreneur for over a decade. Lots of transitions, ins and outs, reinventing yourself. And um, I'm excited to talk about what you are currently doing. But before we jump into book launchers, let's talk about what got you here. So Julie, back in 2009, that's when you really were started speaking and traveling all over Canada. Tell us what you were doing prior to that.
1: It's kind of a, a long journey, but I started investing in real estate in 2001, but that was a kind of a side hustle. I, I had a job working for a real estate data company. So in 2008, when I quit my job, uh, I was at the time sales and I think, I, I think the official title was Vice President of Customer Service and Sales. <laughs> Very official, <Something funny>. <laughs> Yeah, it was something, something fancy sounding, but really it just meant I oversaw a bunch of people that took care of our clients and, and sold to new ones. <laughs>
0: And so you you quit your job. Why?
1: Uh, you know, I just reached a point. It was actually really terrible timing because it was 2008. And I was a real estate investor was my backup plan, right? So 2008, terrible timing to go full time in real estate. And my other thing I was thinking I would do was start a real estate training and education company. So timing wise, terrible, but emotionally, it just was one of those moments where it was like I was done working hard to build somebody else's business and feeling like I had this moment where I had, I had prepped everything for the board of directors and I'd, I'd had a meeting with my president of the company and he slid this one piece of paper across the, the table to me. And it was after I had prepped for this, this quarterly meeting for a long time. And it's this one piece of paper and he says, okay, there's your team's three objectives and the five points below are how you're going to achieve them. So I was 100% accountable for getting results but I had no control over how I was going to get them and it was kind of in that moment where I just felt so trapped that you know I didn't quit in the spot I actually had to give 3 months notice by my contract so uh, but inside I quit like that was the moment I quit and 6 months later I was gone
0: <laughs> Okay good for you because I think we all hit that emotional spot where we're like okay this is not aligning with me anymore but so often so many people still stay What did you start brewing underneath so that way you had confidence to leave within six months?
1: Yeah, I mean the big thing, like I said, I had a bit of a backup. So because I had been investing in real estate since two thousand and one, so that gave me a little bit of comfort. But at the on the other side of it was the market was completely falling apart. So (laughs) you know it wasn't like we were going to be able to sell any of those properties, and you know the income on them was dropping. So it wasn't you know I had the backup, but it wasn't great. But I I had already been writing a newsletter, an email newsletter to basically that was just going to friends and family. And without even having a website, I already had, I think, 600 people on the newsletter just because people would forward it around. And then I get, I was manually importing all the names. Like people would write me and say, can I be on your newsletter? And I would input them in. <laughs> so, I mean, kind of th- think about what, how long ago this yeah, was. It really. wasn't that easy to set up <laughs> opt-in forms. So in 2008, kind of when I mentally decided to quit, I started building a website. So I had to teach myself code because I didn't know it. You know, I didn't know any of this stuff. So I had to teach myself code. Um, so I learned some basic HTML and set up a website, um, on WordPress and, uh, and set up a newsletter opt-in. So I started to build that. And then I started to learn internet marketing and really start to think about teaching people because that was really what I loved in my, in my, in my whole life. I've loved teaching and helping. Um, and that's really where I was gravitating. So that was kind of what I started building in the background, but I, by, by, by no means did I have security. When I left my job, the only comfort I had was my husband's confidence in me. Um, but people say, Oh, well, you had a husband, so he had a job, right? Uh, He was a commercial mortgage broker. So they work on 100% commission in a year when there was absolutely no deals being funded. So no, (laughs) that was not any comfort.
0: (laughs) Such an adventure, isn't it? To to say yes to yourself, even when you don't really know the outcome, to say yes to your next step when you feel drawn to it, even though it can feel like you're walking off a plank. (laughs) You, You don't really know what's down there, but you still did it. So what did the next few years look like for you?
1: Uh, well, we did what every newlywed couple dreams of. We moved back in with my parents, (laughs) but that's, you know, it's one of those things where I think that when people say they did that, I'm like, yeah, that's great. You're probably going to succeed because people who are willing to do things like that, that are grossly uncomfortable and the opposite of what you want to do, uh, that's often the things you have to do to create success. And so, yeah, so anyways, that we went back, we moved back in with them. We rented out our house. Complete with all of the stuff that we got for our our, our honeymoon, our uh, wedding gifts, right? So, like every everything we'd gotten, now we rented it out as a furnished rental, so somebody else got to use it all. <laughs> somebody else got to wreck the brand new coffee pot, you know, all that stuff. But. Um, but it allowed us to take any money that we were making and funnel it into growing our two businesses. And we ramped up our real estate investment business. And then I really ramped up our real estate training and education company. And then that's when I started um, speaking and going to conferences and really building our brand. Um, and it served two purposes. One is it brought clients into the investment or sorry, clients into our education and training company. But it also got our, the, you know, our credibility up so that it was much easier to attract capital into the investment company.
0: Ooh, yeah. Lessons in grit, lessons in vision, lessons in not just taking the easy way out, but really yeah. plowing through. And now you've got a lot of really cool stories. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, it's true. And that's actually why I ended up writing my first book. Um, And I always tell people when they're going through a really hard time, I'm like, you know what, this is going to make a great chapter in your book.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's all it is. It's just a season. It is. You know, what's so interesting, too. In 2008, you launched a, a real estate training company when so many people were looking for ways to make money. Because they, it was the, the real job wasn't as secure anymore, and they were looking for ways. So, who knew that what you were creating was something that would eventually serve you and everyone very well?
1: Yeah, it was it was an interesting time because on the one the one side of it was everybody was terrified. On the other side of it, everybody really saw firsthand again like this lesson has to be learned over and over again. It seems like, but they saw firsthand how you can't count on a job. You can, you know, no matter how big a company is, you can never trust that they're always going to be there. And that did create a lot of people searching for solutions for the long term, which, you know, not in 2008, but in 2009, 2010, after people kind of healed a little bit, that's when people with money that still had capital left, they were going, we need to put this somewhere else. And it really did open the door. Um, in, and we were very well positioned to take advantage of that.
0: Very cool. Uh, and now you have book launchers. So fast forward several years. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about this next pivot.
1: Yeah. So I, in 2012, late 2011, I started, um, a couple of publishers approached me and wanted to take, cause I'd written, I, the newsletter expanded quite, you know, got quite a brand in Canada. So a couple of publishers approached me and I was like, yes, I would I've always wanted to write a book. I'd love to. And I ended up going back and forth with Wiley for quite a while. And, uh, my idea, they said, no, you know what, there's, there's already books out there like that. You know, it, it won't sell. They said, but you know, we have this other idea we think would be good for you. So we went back and forth for three months on their idea. And so I figured a book deal was like, I know, like it's happening, right? (laughs) They gave me the, they gave me the topic. They, they wanted to work with me. Um, but the email I got from them when I thought it was the book deal was an email that said, our marketing department, uh, decided that they don't think that you're going to be able to sell enough books for it to make us, make it worthwhile. So they, they basically said, I didn't have a strong enough platform. So, uh, it took me about a year to recover my ego from that. Cause really, like, it wasn't that they didn't like my idea. It was that they were saying I couldn't sell books. Um, but I eventually self-published and, uh, and it was, I felt like it was the only answer. So I thought I kind of had a little bit of vengeance. I was like, I'm going to do it better than if I had gone with Wiley. (laughs) So I, I hired, I went all out. I hired all the professionals that you need, you know, that if I had gotten my book traditionally published, I hired everybody that they would have worked with. Uh, and I published, self-published my book, and I took it to number one overall on Amazon. So it was ahead of Game of Thrones, ahead of Dan Brown. I beat any real estate uh, nonfiction book that they've ever published in Canada. Um, and so yeah, that felt really, really, really good. But in that process, I learned so much about the challenges of self-publishing and the challenges of marketing and the pitfalls even of going with the traditional publisher. Um, and to the now today, I would not take a traditional publishing deal knowing what I know now. But at the time, I thought, you know, it, it was like, it was the approval process to me. Like, I needed them to tell me I was good enough, basically. Um, so yeah, throughout that, and then I had my friends that got traditional publishing deals and friends that were self-publishing and I ended up helping people. And I kept seeing all these problems and these kind of gaps that were missing. And I eventually said, you know what, I, I'm having way more fun working on the books than I am with real estate. So I want to help people self-publish and, and create success with their book not just not just get a book because you can actually publish a book super easy but publishing a great book that achieves your goals that takes a lot of effort and that's what i want to help people with
0: ooh so good so good okay so what was your first book that went out number one overall on amazon
1: yeah it's called more than cash flow um and it's an it's an like i said it's a niche nonfiction real estate book it's, it's geared towards canadians um, yeah and it's it still sells in the states which is funny but um, but yeah it really Canada's where it really rocked. Awesome. Awesome. And how, what year was
0: that? 2013. 2013. Okay. So over the past few years not only did you publish your own and experience success but you also then were getting asked. I feel like that happens all the time. Once you experience success, then everyone goes <gasps> How'd you do it? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the pros and cons of publishing with a traditional publisher versus self-publishing and then some things you've learned. The
1: big thing that most people think is that the traditional publisher is going to market their book. So they really, they, like people really hang their hat on needing the traditional publisher. The reality is that they only really spend money marketing about 1%, maybe, maybe 5% of the books that they publish. They're looking at you. So if you go back to why I was rejected, they said they didn't think I'd be able to sell enough books for them to make their money back. That was them looking at me going, how many is she going to sell? That's not them thinking, how is our marketing department going to be able to help this author? So it's a huge thing and a a big gap because so many people think that that's going to solve their problems. Traditional publisher offers distribution. And that's the that's the one thing that as a self-publisher, you'll struggle to get bookstore distribution. But hey, Barnes & Noble is for sale. Like, How long do you guys think that bookstores are going to matter really at all? I think the traditional publishers are going to have to change their model because with that being their big advantage and that really fading into the distance, things are going to change. So the thing is, you're giving up. So to get that distribution. So that's what you're getting is distribution and somebody else front-ending the costs. Okay, because it is significant hiring editors, people are always stunned at how much it costs to hire great editors. Um, and just so people have a ballpark, if you were to hire um, a, just just a copy editor, which I think that anybody who's not a professional writer absolutely needs a content editor, copy editor, and a proofreader. Um, but if you were just hiring a copy editor, you're looking at $30 per 1000 words for a professional copy edit. So start doing the math on how many words are in your book. That gives you a sense of how expensive just copy editing is. And again, you probably should have content and proofreading. So the traditional publisher does cover those costs for you. So that's one of the benefits. But the drawback, and this is super important if you're especially in the nonfiction space, they own you. They own that content. Every word you put in that book, they now own. Every idea you put in that book, they now own. And not only are they going to pay you about 80 cents per book when you could be making $6 per book, they have the international rights. In most cases, they have the audiobook rights, and they may or may not choose to do it. The most telling example I can give you is a friend of mine who got a book deal with Wiley. um, And then later on, HGTV approached him and wanted to do a TV show. They tried to sort it out with Wiley, couldn't get it sorted out. So he had to buy his book back from Wiley in order to sign the contract with HGTV. They then filmed a pilot episode. So you know everything was looking really good. And then it didn't get picked up. So he, he went, had to go to all the time and effort and money of buying his book back only to find out he's not actually getting the HGTV show. Oh my goodness. Okay. So you, the world is changing.
0: You're exactly right. People aren't necessarily going to a bookstore and browsing as much as they were before. They're going online and they're searching and they're getting referrals from friends. And so how does all of this change benefit the self-publisher?
1: You can get the distribution and put your book in front of the people that want to find you. And so it takes it like, again, it takes some research and it takes figuring out who your ideal reader is and what they're searching for. But I mean, Amazon ads aren't that expensive and you can buy the same ads that the traditional publishers can buy and you can put your book using the same keywords, the same categories and, and be there. And in fact, I think in some ways, the, the self-published author has an advantage because you're more nimble and you can adjust more quickly. You can spot opportunities and you're on the ground in the trenches with the people that you're probably marketing your book to. So you probably have better relationships to reach out to. Again, it takes effort, but the traditional publisher is not doing any of that for you anyways. So you're going to have to do it whether they publish your book or not. So I would rather do it and get all the profits and own all the rights. Right. But that's me. <laughs> all right.
0: Right, right, right. Now, you obviously are an expert and you can tell you're passionate about it. But it sounds like you learned all of this through doing it yourself, right? Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how did you learn this? I mean, most of us think we have to be an expert before we start our business. But the way you become an expert is starting, right? So tell me a little bit about that mud.
1: Again, this was 2013. So there wasn't as much information out there. And uh, so it was tough. Guy Kawasaki. He just put out a book called Ape at the time, Author, Publisher, Entrepreneur. So that was kind of my starting guide at the time. I think it's a little outdated, but the fundamentals are still there. Because that's the thing, like the publishing industry has changed so much. I just put out a newsletter this morning talking about how Apple is reinvesting in books. And I'm really excited to see what they're doing and how that's going to be another avenue for self-published authors to stand out. Um, So stuff like that wasn't current in 2013, but he had a great kind of process to follow. So that helped me Kind of know the questions to ask and the people to hire, but I mean, I spent easily a thousand hours over the course of two years really trying to figure out how to do it, and I still made mistakes. I, I made you know one checkbox I checked off. I did not check off initially. It cost me distribution in an entire province, um, and I had I had I had all these events lined up for that province because it was my home where I was from originally, uh, and then. I finally got the checkbox checked. And just so people know, you have to make your books returnable so the bookstores can carry them. And if you sell enough books, you will get in bookstores. I'm in bookstores all across Canada because I sold so many books. They're not going to not carry you because you're self published. They're going to not carry you because they don't think you're going to sell enough. But if you prove that you can sell it, they'll carry you. But anyway, so only if your book is returnable. Um, And then there's two choices, right? There's return and destroy and return to author. So here's me thinking, Return to author, like, why would I let you destroy them? I can sell them somewhere else. And you know, they're my babies. So the thought of them burning in cinder, yeah, that was horrifying. But return and destroy is the right answer. <laughs> because And I found this out because I, I, again, I had tons of sales and bookstores would order a case. So it'd be 26 books um, in a case, but 26 books is a lot for one bookstore to sell through. And so they'll send them back after three or six months if they're not selling. So at the end of 2013, I got a $1,200 bill. And it was for books that were returned to author because they not only charge me for the like, they not only give the refund, but then they charge you about six dollars per book shipping. So you pay twelve dollars per book that gets returned. And yeah, so that hurt. I had a twelve hundred dollar bill out of nowhere for a mistake I made. So yeah, I, I learned a lot, but it's you know, you never know it all. And that's why I think it's so important to have experts on your side. And the industry's changing so fast that it's hard to even know who you need to you know to get to where you want to go.
0: Yeah, wow. Isn't it interesting? At the moment you go, "Ah, what the heck? If only." And then and you can I mean, these are like the speed bumps that allow people to quit sometimes. They say you know, oh, this is too big. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, that this maybe means I shouldn't be doing this. But those who are successful plow through them and grow through them. So congratulations for continuing to say yes. <laughs> I just want people to know, like it's never as easy as it seems like it could be, especially yeah. when you have an idea to go, oh, this is what I want to do. Let's just get a book on Amazon. And then two years later you go okay, this is how this is how you do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yes, you sought out, help, you sought out, and then you became that help for other people who have a message and but want to make a business out of it, not just getting a message out and having a book. that's great, but we want to actually create a brand. We want to make yeah. money. we want to brand ourselves and really spread this message with a wider net, essentially, so how did you? start book launchers and get the word out about this new product you're offering.
1: The beauty of when you build your own brand is that, you know, just because you're doing something new doesn't mean people are going to stop watching you. There's certainly you're going to have drop off. There's going to be people that, and in my case, you know, there was, there's definitely thousands of people that read my newsletters that when I stopped talking real estate, they didn't care what I had to say anymore. But there was also a chunk of people that were like, you know what? We've watched you create success in what you're doing. So, you know, and we're interested in this or we see the value in it or we just want to keep watching you. That will stick with you no matter what. So if you do a great job of building a personal brand, you can make pivots easier. And all that's to say that when I opened the doors on book launchers, the first 10 clients in the door were people who knew me from the real estate space. And that made it so much easier than the first business I started where I was literally trying to get people to notice me. I already had a decent base of people that were going, okay, yeah, I completely trust you. I know what you do, and you know, I've seen what you did with your books. So, you know, here, let's let's work with you. So that was so much easier for me because I opened the doors and I already had clients. And that's just from building a a strong personal brand. After that, I've really focused on YouTube. I love YouTube. Uh, I I I saw the benefit of it in my real estate training and education company. And I've really doubled down on it. So if anybody wants to check out what I'm doing, I have new videos coming out every Friday, um, book launchers on YouTube. And, and I just, that's really my main source other than networking and referrals and the odd conference. Uh, YouTube is really our main source of, of new business.
0: Ooh, awesome. So did, were you a YouTube expert,
1: editor, filmer when you started YouTube? <laughs> I mean, you're, okay. Who actually is an expert at all of it? My goodness. <laughs> I mean, everybody I meet who has these massive channels, they have a huge team of people. Right, they end up just being the talent that shows up. I mean, I think initially, and when I first started YouTube um, with my first channel, which by the way I was able to sell all of that because, especially with the YouTube channel with subscribers and viewers, it's a, it's got money. It's a money maker. So if you build something and then decide to pivot later, there's value in what you're building. So yeah, I was able to sell it. But yeah, in the old days, it was the flip camera. Do you uh-huh. do you ever see those? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we filmed all our videos with the flip camera and just uploaded it to YouTube. So you didn't even edit it. But yeah, now. Nowadays, I have an editor. I don't know. I, I bought Final Cut Pro and definitely have done some of my own editing. But it didn't meet the standard that I had in my head. So I hire, I hire it out because I have... There's certain things where I'm like, it, I just can't get it without the expertise. I can't get it to where I need it to be. So yeah.
0: Well, and it's interesting, you really surrounding yourself with those who are the experts so you can stay in your own lane, right? I did a 90-day YouTube challenge where I uploaded every day for 90 days. Goodness, good and for you. And I was like, I mean, you'll look, my editing is like just my name, you know, <laughs> because you think, how am I, if I'm going to do it consistently, how, I need to make it easy for myself. And I don't mm-hmm. know all of this stuff either, but you learn so much as yeah. you go. So the first video versus like the 90th yes. video, I was so much more like myself and normal and felt more comfortable and it's just interesting you can see the growth process yep. throughout that but you just went all in you know double down all in going for it hiring out what you need learning tell me a few ups and downs on the book launcher journey
1: oh every every week is a new up cuz the industry is changing so even things like Apple Books, when I started last year, I wasn't too worried about getting our clients' books onto Apple Books. But you know, the last two months, they've really, they've really shown an investment in it. And I think, especially for podcasters, it's really cool platform because if they get smart, they're they're now making recommendations. So they didn't used to make recommendations like Amazon does. And so if they're smart, they'll take the podcast data that they have so much of, and they can now recommend to their, you know, oh, you like this book by that podcaster. Maybe you'll like this. Like they could do so much with it so I'm really excited. And so now you've got your audiobook, your your book and podcast all potentially um, in a united front, a good spot. And a lot of people don't like Audible. So Apple could really do good things with their audiobooks platform. So yeah, there's... We won't go... It's a rabbit hole. But bottom line is, I didn't have authors uploading to it. And then last week or or last month, said, Okay, we got to get our authors on it. But there's some nuances, right? We had one cover that had to be a different size. We didn't realize that there was some upload requirements. So we actually had to have our designers redesign the books in order to upload them. So people are probably thinking they can take their Kindle version of their book and upload it to iBooks. Uh Uh-uh. So that was a whole shocker for us. But if you're doing it on your own, you have to go back and reformat things for yourself. And yeah, and then there was just weird nuances with that. And then team. You know, I have a massive team because like I said, you know, every book needs three editors. We've got cover designers. We've got layout. We have a PR and marketing team that works with our clients. We have project managers. So for me, the biggest ups and downs come with the team. Because we have... We get somebody great, but they don't stay for whatever reason, which thankfully has only happened once. Um, but then we get people that we think are going to be great, but then they're not. And so we have to move through and then go through the whole process of finding finding new talent and great people. And, and that's really what I see my job as. And that's a hard... It's a very hard job to consistently find phenomenal people and find great clients to pair them with. So... Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I, I, it is interesting to. I'm like, if I could do all of this myself, I would, because I know I'm a hard worker and I'm passionate and I care. But we can't do it all ourselves. It doesn't work yeah. like that. So you have to find people that align with the message, their skill set is stellar, and they're just as excited about it as as you are. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's a great, like I've loved being, I'm now we're in Los Angeles and I've loved being in Los Angeles for that reason, because there's so many talented creative people here who are anxious to have more stability in their jobs because the Hollywood, you know, cycle is like you get, you get work for a while and then there's nothing, 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 nothing. And then you get work for a while. So I've been able to attract phenomenal people that I would not have been able to find in other markets. But yeah, it is, it is the challenge because I would prefer to sometimes I'm like, I'll oh, just give it to me. I'll do it. But <laughs> I don't have time for that. (laughs)
0: yeah it is I know it's an it's an adventure because even if we did we can't scale that can't have a life with that we can't so tell me a little bit about what you do now you are you're working with clients you're kind of managing the team you're speaking still you're doing the odd um, events Uh, what does life look like for you
1: last year was crazy we moved to we moved from Canada to the states. And uh, actually, first, we had a baby. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so I had a baby. Then um, two months later, we finally got everything sorted out with our visa and moved down here. And then I opened book launchers shortly after that. Um, so my life is really my my book launchers baby and my real baby. <laughs> yes. Yes. Are you able to work this from home? Uh, I don't. I work from an office because my son is, uh, you know, he's just such an attention-seeking yeah child and I want to pay attention to him when he's there. So yeah, I, I work from an office, but my team is mostly remote. So it's, you know, I could work from home if I, if I didn't have a rambunctious 20 month old. <laughs> yeah, I
0: know we actually have office space ourselves. We've been entrepreneurs for almost 12 years and have two little boys who are, this is their first year, both in school. And oh, I wow.
1: I'm like loving this house by myself. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, I, we always talk about that too. We're like, when he goes into school, (laughs) yeah yeah
0: there's a a whole another door opens to you yeah so tell me who is your ideal client our
1: ideal client is somebody who ideally is a subject matter expert. Um, So they're not, you know, you can be just setting out and write a book, but you have to do a lot of research and a lot of interviews. So um, there's a lot more work going into the, you know, getting ready to write the book in that phase. So our ideal person is somebody who already has the expertise and they really just want to go to the next level in terms of most, most of our clients are looking to get paid for speaking. Um, And because of that, I have a person that is in-house who worked 10 years as a speaker's booking agent. So she Brings tremendous expertise to the table for helping not only our clients get speaking engagements when their book is done, but also helping them make sure they're writing a book uh, that will help them get speaking engagements at the end. Um, so that's a really common one: is they want to get paid more, or they want to get some paid speaking engagements. But you know, people who have products that want people to understand why you know why the product's beneficial, or even help them if they're not buying the product, those are that's great. Anybody who's looking to grow their business off of the book uh, is a really really great. We do have a few memoirs. We have uh, an NFL player who played, and he kind of wants to tell his. It's more of a memoir than anything, but it's it's still. He has a business and he has a brand that he's looking to build, so it still goes back to that. It's just not quite the same purpose as a how-to book. But yeah, so that's really anybody who's trying to grow from their book has a clear purpose. Where we struggle is when um, somebody wants to write a book about a subject that is completely unrelated to what they do in the day, because. So much of their time and energy is going to be dedicated to their day job. I fear that they won't do the things necessary to grow, uh, to actually build the marketing around their book because it's easier to do if it feeds back into the thing that pays your bills (laughs) than if it's something completely separate. Right.
0: You know what I think is really cool is 10 years ago in 2008, when the economy crashed and so many people went through the current depression or whatever they called it, we did wake up a bit and we said, okay, we can't necessarily rely on the J-O-B. And Mm -hmm. now 10 years later, it's the age of the entrepreneur. It's the age of people saying, what am I passionate about and how can I make money doing it? And now because of the internet, the way it is, YouTube, the way it is, you can... Get your message out there faster, quicker, easier, maybe not without any speed bumps, but you can do so much more than we could 10, 15 years ago. And we want to because we want yeah. to own our own time. We want to live in our passion. We want to, you know, have our own personal freedoms. And I think it's just the alignment of what you're doing now with the way the world is. It just yeah. makes sense.
1: Yeah, thank you. I think so too. And I, I I'm not one of those people who says everybody should write a book. I carefully speak to everyone because I think there's I probably at some point in everybody's life they could write a book. But it's so much time, effort, and investment, as you know, that I think there's... Some people just aren't ready for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I,
0: uh, I wrote a book. I've written 2. One, we used a ghostwriter. So that was like, we just gave her our notes and she did it. And then this time, I was like, I want this to be my baby. And so I worked on it for about 4 months. And I had a writing coach. Every week we would talk. And my self-talk throughout that experience was, I'm a finisher. I'm a finisher. (laughs) Everybody could write a book, but few people do. I'm a finisher. It's what separates me from the pack. You you think about writing a 10-page paper from college and you're like, oh dear. And then you think about writing a book. Like, it's a game changer. But when you're passionate, it, you can do it. But you're right. It's not necessarily made for
1: everyone. But <laughs> like, good for you. You hired a coach. So and that's something it's funny. I have this conversation with a lot of people because we have writing coaches. We have ghostwriters as well that will help people. But a lot of people won't come in at the coaching phase. they like, well, why would I pay you to have somebody guide me through writing? I'm like, do you know how to write a really good book? Like, I know you can probably put words on a page. But do you know what makes a good book? <laughs> right. So good for you, because a lot of people don't see the value and having somebody coach them through it.
0: Well, and like you mentioned, it's so much easier to work through the pitfalls when you've got people who've been there before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So in the age of branding, one of your most popular blogs is the Brand Yourself Like a Celebrity. Find (laughs) things that make your personal brand rock. And because I do believe this is the age of the entrepreneur, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Oh my goodness, you're throwing me back to the the, the book website I have. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I mean, so I think celebrities, and I, I don't actually remember exactly what's on that page, um, because that was pre-baby. It's like my whole world separates into pre-baby and post-baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so celebrities do something really well that a lot of people don't do, which is they step up and they let people see them. And maybe it's not all of them, right? Uh, and I, you know that's your choice of how much and what parts of your life you tell everybody about because you don't have to tell everybody everything. But yeah, they do step up and they, they, but they pick something. So they're not trying to be everything to everybody. They, they usually pick either a cause or a theme or something that they will be known for. And a lot of people uh, will go, oh, well, I want to be, and I'll just use real estate because we've been talking about, it. I want to be known as the real estate expert okay but you know there's commercial there's apartments there do you want to be the financing person do you want to be like there's so many niches and it's so much easier to be known for a specific city or for a specific niche and sure you probably know more than just that piece but if you want to be known you got to start there and then people will go hey um, I know you do some real estate because they don't remember exactly specifically what you do but because you have niched down they do know they remember that piece at least and then they might ask you about something and you may or may not be an expert in that part, but you're now known for that thing. And so I think that's really one of the core messages that I always want to emphasize to people is to make sure that you are known for something and you can expand from there.
0: Mm, niche down, pick one thing that you want to be known for and, yeah. and then stand proudly with that yeah. and, and let yourself be seen
1: for that. And it will grow, but you got to start somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that would be the main, the main point. I mean, that, I, like I said, I don't remember the five, the five things in that. I know it's in my book too. It's crazy. Uh, again, you forget these things, but it was in my, my second book, The New Brand You that I wrote um, that was all about branding. <laughs>
0: Perfect. 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 Well, as an entrepreneur, I know you probably have created success habits throughout the last decade. Tell me what is one thing you do every day that you couldn't live without?
1: At the end of my workday I always write down the things I have to do the next day and so that when I show up for work or you know start my computer whatever the habit is there um I'm not checking email and kind of like wasting time I get right into that very first thing and I have everything scheduled out and I find that the the rare times when I miss doing that like I I finish the day and I've done nothing really or at least I feel like I've done nothing. Let other people dictate my day because I'll check email and then I'll do what that's asking me to do. So yeah, for sure. That's the number one thing that I've done for the last, basically I started that when I quit my job and you know, that has carried me through. And I think I can't emphasize it enough. So many people let email drive their day and that's just the wrong way to do it.
0: Yeah. As an entrepreneur, we're our own boss. So we have to create our own to do list and yep. hold ourselves accountable to that. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for spending time with us today. You guys definitely check out Julie Broad and booklaunchers.com. All the links will be in the description box, but I appreciate your expertise and wisdom. And I know that this is, I mean, this is not the beginning. This is like a whole new 10 years for you. So I'm excited (laughs) to see you grow. Thank you